Well, howdy, folks. Welcome to the stream. I'm glad you are all here. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time is when we do this. I'm Dan, your host, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. Also, have a little website called getgills.com. If you're into selling fish online or buying fish online, you can uh, list fish for sale there. Or if you want to buy stuff, browse what's available. So, um, <laughs> it's been a heck of a week. I'll get into that in a bit when uh, when some more people are here, just so I don't have to repeat it over and over. But this has been the uh, probably the worst week I've had shipping fish in eight years. It's been a tough week. So um, we'll get into that in a bit. I made some mistakes and I'll tell you about them so you don't make them too in the future. Um, anyway, let's see who's here. I, Angela is first. Welcome, Angela. Glad you made it. Amp Aquatics. And I know Reel's here because he's got all those baby angelfish to sort out. <laughs> His tornado of fry. Lumpy Dog. Hey, Jeff. Glad you're here. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for modding. Good to see you. Tampa Tom. Howdy. So it must not be good uh, motorcycle weather right now. Must be uh, cold and maybe rainy in Florida, huh? Uh, Slippery Fish, hey, welcome. Glad you're here, Matt. Um, Glenn Norton and Dan Slee, hey, welcome, Dan. Glad you made it. V-Stag, V-Stag, hey, it has been, it feels like it's been forever, V-Stag. I, I keep uh, missing your comments on the videos. You used to... Uh, <laughs> have very memorable comments, the, uh, your own style, but I'm glad you made it back. Glad you're here, man. Cheers. All right. So uh, for those that are new or for those that um, don't remember, if you have a question or a comment for me, if you make it at Dan's Fish, let it populate, select it, it'll be bright orange here for me. And then I can grab it real quick and not miss your question or comment. If I'm missing it, it's just because I didn't see it because it didn't highlight. Or every now and then something does highlight and chat jumps and then I miss it. If I go way past it, just, just post it again. I'm not ignoring you on purpose ever. Um, <clears throat> all right. Hey, Glenn Norton. Tampa Tom. Hey, I have a blue neo shrimp with eggs underneath her. Cool. How long does it usually take for the shrimp to hatch out? Thanks. Love the show. Oh, Tampa, you know what? I don't think I've ever timed that. I, I want to say a month, but like about a month. But you know what? I've never, I have a colony of cherry shrimp. Um, it, I assume would be about the same time as them if you have a neocaridina. And uh, yeah, I've never actually clocked it. Just they bury up regularly and young appear regularly. So I'm sorry, I don't know the exact time. Does anyone know? Anyone else? Uh, have you ever timed it? Could you help Tampa Tom out? Or How often do they molt? That's the same kind of cycle for, for laying eggs and kind of releasing eggs, I think. Reels Tanks. Hey, TM. Hey, TM. Hello. Glad you made it. Welcome. Glad you're here. Okay. Lumpy Doc says a couple of weeks, depending on temperature. Awesome. John Deerer. Um, Dan's Fish. Dan, do you have any experience with breeding bettas? Oh, I'm sorry. Botillas. Specifically, Dario leeches. And hi, by the way. Well, hi, John. Good to see you. Um, I'm not sure what Dario leeches are, which kind of uh, 
Botia that is. But no, I, I haven't. In fact, Botias are one that are not bred commonly in captivity. The way they are bred usually is with hormone injections on fish farms. But I don't know anyone personally that breeds Botias. I don't even... I'm sure this has happened, but I don't even have any like accidental spawns come to mind where people just had them in a nice big aquarium that was well planted and fry eventually showed up. I, I'm sure that's happened a few times, but like no one that I know personally that I can recall has had that happen. So from what I understand, it's a fairly, uh, fairly difficult thing unless you use injections. However, the best place to find that information probably is loaches.com. It's a great site and uh, there's tons of information there about loaches. So if anyone knows how to breed botillas, there'll probably be some information there at loaches.com. There's also a good book that that uh, group released called Loaches. I think Tropical Fish Hobbyist is the one that published it. But yeah, botillas are kind of tough from what I understand. Anyone here that's bred them, uh, let us know. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I would I'd love it if someone here is like, no, I know how to breed them. But I, I don't think that's the case. Um, small fry aquarium fish. Hey, bartender. <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> that comment is because Craig uh, posted on the Get Gills site earlier today. If you're not, if you're not on the Get Gills Facebook group, um, please feel free to check it out. See if you want to join up. We have a lot of fun there, but uh, Craig uh, had a hard time dealing with the customer, so I, I sent him a shot <laughs> through that <laughs> on Facebook, so that's why he's saying that. Um, Wayne Patrillo, or is it Patrillo? Option on gravel versus sand, thinking about switching my 125 angelfish tank from gravel to sand. Well, Wayne, I really like sand. I like Corridors and they love the sand and I like watching them sift through it. I like Geophagus. They love the sand. Uh, Epistogrammas, they'll sift through the sand and like it. Pelvic Acromus, like there's a lot of fish that really benefit from sand. And the sand I use is just playground sand from Home Depot. Just really fine stuff. Now here's the drawbacks with sand. It's difficult to plant. As you can see, I do have it planted but the plants grow really slowly and they don't grow nearly as big or as uh, boisterous as they can in gravel. So I would say if, if your goal is a really nice thriving planted tank, maybe go with gravel. But if your goal is awesome fish behavior, I would go with a fine sand because you'll see them do stuff that they just don't get to do normally. And honestly, I think a lot of the fish really appreciate it. There's so many fish that sift through mulm and detritus and sand and mud and stuff to feed in nature that allowing them to be able to do that in captivity, I, it's almost like they breathe a sigh of relief when they get in there and can start doing that. So I think it really depends on your goals. For me, I'm mainly a fish guy. Plants aren't even a second. They're just something I do to help the fish usually. And uh, so I go with sand. Now, I have a pretty thick layer of sand here. I think uh, it's two to three inches. And I don't notice any problems with like sulfuric gases or any of those things that people fear with a thick bed of sand. I mean, two to three inches isn't that thick of a bed of sand. But I would say if you want to keep it fresh, don't put a ton there. 
if I didn't have plants, I'd probably only have half an inch to an inch in it, just enough to kind of cover the bottom. And then if you get geophagus or corys or, you know, some of those other species in there, some loaches will do it. They kind of sift the sand or burrow in the sand and stuff. They'll keep it turned over all the time so you don't have to worry about um, getting it, it being stagnant or anything like that. So the other thing I like about sand is a fine sand is compact enough that the food doesn't kind of sink down into it readily like it will gravel. And if you have a power head, uh, I have a power head on one side blowing kind of across the bottom and it keeps all that food that, that settles down kind of stirred up into the water column so it can get sucked out into the overflow. And it keeps the water pretty darn clean in that tank and clear. Whereas I think if I had gravel, a lot more food would get, would fall down and get trapped in the gravel. So those are my thoughts. Um, they're both great. It just depends, I think, on what you're trying to accomplish. Hey, JH, how are you? I don't suppose, Joseph, that the fish arrived yet. Um, everything's kind of slow this week in the mail, but if they have, let me know. <laughs> if not, probably be tomorrow. Um, Jeff Rose. Hey, Jeff Rose. Good to see you. Just a reminder for 48 watching. Thanks, guys. That's and gals. That's amazing for this little channel. 48. That's not bad for our little our little cohort here. Um, for those that have arrived, if you don't know or don't forget how this works, if you want me to respond to your question or comment, please make it at Dance Fish. It'll populate, select it, and then it'll highlight for me. If I'm not responding to your comment, it's because it didn't do that, and I'm I'm just missing it. In which case, just repeat it and try again. JH Aquatics, killifish made it just fine. All right, all the way to the Virgin Islands. That's awesome. They're happy in a 10-gallon blackwater aquarium. Thanks a lot. Cool. I'm glad. Do you like them? Do they, do they blow your mind? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that you, maybe they aren't settled in enough yet, but I'm hoping that they're like everything you wanted and more. I think they're amazing. Um, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to get to the other highlighted questions and comments, and then I'm going to tell you some lessons I learned about shipping fish this week. It's It's been a tough week. Amp Aquatics. By the way, I wasn't getting notified on my channel on comments, but the bed is in with the exodons are calls and supposed to be food. Okay. So Amp said in a video, I think, that um, that she puts, she has some exodon tetras and she had bettas in there. And I was like, whoa, I, I thought that that couldn't happen because exodons are so aggressive, but now I get it. <laughs> They're coals. Yeah. Killers Aquatics, uh, linking the Facebook group for Dan's Fish. Check it out if you haven't. And there's also the Get Gills Facebook group, which is a lot livelier. On my on the Dan's Fish Facebook group, um, that's often where I'll post pictures of stuff that's shipping out or stuff that's on sale or notify you of new fish that come in for sale. Whereas the Get Gills uh, Facebook group is more discussion and information and, and camaraderie. So the Dance Fish face, Facebook group is, um, or page, is pretty much just promoting the store. Whereas the other one's camaraderie and discussion and stuff. Just, just so you're aware. Um, but thanks for posting that. And welcome, Bob. Glad you're here. Lumpy Dog, the like button is lonely. Please give it a quick click. Thanks. Hey, appreciate that. Wayne Petrillo. Thank you for the opinion. I have 13 angelfish in the tank with five of them about to be six inches in size, tip to tip, and use plastic plants to focus is on the fish. Okay, yeah. 
in that case, uh, I think sand would be a fun one to do. Although I will say angelfish aren't, I mean, they'll pick off the bottom, but they don't sift the sand actively like uh, Apistos will or pelvic acromis or geophagus or corridors or things like that. So, you know, it's kind of what you which you find more aesthetically pleasing. So the angelfish, I don't think you're going to care if they're on a bare bottom gravel or sand, honestly. Um, Tip of Tom, I learned when the baby sleeps, you sleep. Did I, <laughs> was I giving a child rearing advice in a live stream, Tampa? Yeah, I only have one rule of when you have a baby and it's when the baby sleeps, you sleep. There's two rules, actually. That's rule number one. And rule number two is never break rule number one, because when you have a newborn, the baby will go to sleep and you'll be like, okay, I'm going to get some laundry done, or I'm going to do dishes or this, but, and I'll sleep later, but you won't sleep later. You won't be able to. So (laughs) I wonder what number you're on then Tampa. So let me tell you about, uh, the week shipping fish. It's, it's been rough. So, um, I generally never have losses. In fact, the last loss I had was a few weeks ago and it was a single fish. And before that, I think it had been a few months before there had been any losses. Um, and so we're talking about thousands of fish being shipped successfully. Um, this week's a different story. Things went south. So let me set the stage. So Friday, my wife fell ill and was ill for a couple days. Um, Sunday, my son got what she had and has been ill. He's going to go back to school tomorrow, maybe, but it's been about three days under the weather. And so um, I'm trying to, you know, prep all the fish for shipping and all that stuff. And while I'm taking care of sick people. And so Monday comes, which is when I finalize the packing and send the fish out. And I'm, I'm just tired. I'm, I'm kind of exhausted. So, um, but I, I go through it. I have a system down, I do it all and I send them all out. And everything is pretty much normal. I I made like one dumb, I'm exhausted mistake, which was I sent the wrong number of fish to someone just because I saw the quantity versus the group number. And I got confused just because I was tired. So that's one little dumb mistake, but everything else was kind of going swimmingly. I shipped the fish and it was a large number of fish this week. Unfortunately, shipped a ton of fish out. And, um, what I didn't realize was how bad this weather was going to be this week. I just, I mean, I, it seems like forecasters are always weathermen and women are always saying, well, this is the storm of the century. I mean, I hear that half a dozen times every winter. Um, and I think it's because bad weather sells ratings (laughs) or makes good ratings, which sells commercials. So it's always being played up. So when I hear um, weather reporters saying that the weather's going to be horrible, I'm like, yeah, you, you say that all the time. And it's usually not. Well, this week they were right. And it was worse than they said. So I shipped all the fish. I didn't understand how bad the weather was going to be. So even fish that went to like Florida are still going through the middle of the country to get there. And they're getting cold. And so I did my normal thing that I always do in the winter with the heat packs and the system that usually works really well. But um, this week it didn't do well. And there's two reasons. One is the cold was so extreme. Um, 
And then because of the extreme cold, everything is moving super slowly. So there's only a couple packages that arrived more or less on time. Almost everything else has been delayed. Uh, several things arrived today and there's still a lot of stuff that hasn't even made it where it's going. So it's been brutal. And for the first time I've had what I consider uh, a lot of losses. So out of a few hundred fish, I think there's probably been about 20 this week that have arrived um, in, in bad shape, like such bad shape that people were like, I don't know if this is going to make it or DOA. So I'm eating some humble pie right now. It's been really rough to watch that and to have the customers respond and let me know that. Um, so anyone that ordered fish and had that experience, I just want to apologize. If it's your first time ordering fish for me, you probably never want to order again if this was the week that you did it. And so it's just been rough. Um, in hindsight, I just shouldn't have shipped any fish this week. But again, I, you know, I hear all the time, weather's going to be horrible and it's usually not. And so I just, I didn't realize that this time it really was going to be. Um, so, I mean, the majority of the fish are arriving alive and, and doing well. And I'm following up with everyone and saying, hey, is it still okay? Like, because I don't want, even if they arrive alive, but are so stressed from the chill that they don't do well in the next couple of days, I'm still going to take care of that customer um, and make it right for them. But yeah, the last time this happened was the winter of 2010, 2011. So it's been eight years since I've experienced anything like this. Um, and what happened there was, was shipping FedEx at the time. And I think I have the year right. Uh, Bob might know since he lives kind of close, but the FedEx main station, I believe it was in, I believe it's in Tennessee, just got this massive ice storm or in Memphis or something, got this um, massive ice storm and just shut things down. And then that same, either in the winter of 2010 or, or, or 2011, that kind of that whole winter that straddles that you, those years, um, that spring, I believe, there was also major flooding. So there was one more incident where there were losses because the flooding um, affected the package delivery and it was just delayed so long. So um, for anyone that's still waiting for your package, I'm real sorry. The mail's moving super slow this week, like slower than the holiday season, almost slower than like the week before Christmas, it seems. And just know that if things don't go well for you, I'll take care of you. I wish I hadn't shipped this week, though. Um, if I could turn back time and knew what it would be like, I, I wouldn't have done it. So it's been a little rough. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's the lesson I learned this week. Like um, if if the forecast says major, major weather event, um, maybe I'll pay a little more attention. It's just hard because, again, they do it all the time. And it's usually not a problem. So I don't know quite how to play it, but it's been, it's been rough. Um, Slippery Fish says, any tips for breeding a Pistogramma trifasciata? Now that I have angelfish off my breeding bucket list, um, I'm hoping to get this one off the list too. So I don't know if I've bred that exact species, but what I would say is five and a half to 10 gallon aquarium, um, and I have to be careful here because there are some species where 
there's there can be real aggression issues in a pistos. And if that's the case, then maybe a five and a half is not the right choice. Maybe a 20 long would be better. So research that particular aspect. But basically, um, I would say several caves. Um, and they like an entrance to the cave that's very small, that the female can squeeze into, but the male can't even go into. That would be, I would say, the ideal that it's small enough for the female to kind of barely get in, but small enough that the male might not even fit. And she'll feel much more secure in that, that type of thing. In nature, they often spawn in like leaves that have fallen into the water and curled up. And they, they're small little spots they squeeze into. So um, I would say that. And what I would do is at first I wouldn't mess with my water parameters. I would just put the pair or if they're a harem spawner in there, a male and a few females in there, make sure that there's more caves than there are fish. So if there's just the pair, I would put in like five caves and some visual barriers and things like that. So they can select their cave, but also feel secure in the immediate surroundings because there's a nice visual barrier. Um, some pencil fish would be good as a dither fish. You can use some other things too, something that just stays at the surface, maybe small hatchet fish. Um, I'm thinking half beaks might be okay, but but they're so predatory that maybe not. And also they don't move enough maybe to be true dither fish. So maybe not those, but hatchets would probably be okay. Uh, pencil fish though, I think are, ge are generally so cheap, so peaceful. They make good dithers. So that's how I would start that. I wouldn't mess with my water at all. I just feed them really well. And see if they go for it. If they don't, then it might be time to start messing with temperature a little bit. It might be just raising it three or four degrees, see what happens. It might be time to soften the water a little bit. If you have RO, maybe cut some of that in, um, see if that triggers them. And then something else that can trigger them is if there's another pair within sight. So if you have like two tanks next to each other and you can make it so that they can see another pair or another Episto through their tank, but not get to them, that's great. Then they'll kind of bond up and try to defend their territory against that other fish. So that's a way to also kind of trigger them. Often if a pair of cichlids won't, won't breed and they're true like pair bonding cichlids, not like Mabuna that just spawn with anything, but, um, true pair bonding cichlids that raise fry together, often a way to get them to spawn is to put another of their species or similar species either in the aquarium with them so that they have something to pair up against. You know, if it's big enough and planted enough that that poor fish isn't going to just get beat to, beat to hell. Or a pair or another fish that they can see but not get to for the same reason. So those are the tricks I would say. Um, once they're... Once they're hatched, I don't know that species specifically, but in general, I think baby brine shrimp can usually be taken right away. Um, so that makes them pretty easy to raise. So that's what I would say based on uh, not breeding that specific species, but just general experience with, with apistos and other dwarf cichlids. So that's, that's what I got for you. If anyone else here has bred that species and has uh, some advice for uh, slippery fish aquatics, please chime in. Let's help Matt out. Tristan Schuster, I want to get those sword tails. I want to try and breed them. But question, 
Should I order females now or wait till you get males later or just wait and get both at the same time? It's totally up to you, Tristan. Um, I have no control over the sex ratio I get. There's, I, I have a supplier it's and I, I order and they send what they send. There's a massive language barrier there. <laughs> there's there's uh, someone I work with to get the fish from them. So um, I was really surprised when only females showed up. That being said, um, it's likely that some of them might be pre-hit. I can't guarantee that, but in the last batch they were. So at least some of them dropped fry. So it's up to you. It's really up to you. Now with swordtails, because the males can be kind of aggressive, not in the like cichlid sense of aggressive, but hard drivers and stuff, it might not be a bad idea to get some females. Um, hopefully they drop and you, you get babies just from the females. But when you can... So that'll give them time to settle in and get all comfortable and stuff so that when you do introduce a male, um, they kind of have a leg up. That would be the only reason I could think of to get the females before the male. It's totally up to you. Um, I guess the other thing is that the females look almost as good as the males. I mean, they're just as pretty. But if it's like, no, it's a breeding program, it might be worth getting the females for the chance that they are hit up. Or if it's like a a 100% breeding program and I, if if I can't breed them, I don't want them at all, then it might be worth waiting until you can get a male. Or maybe there's another source that has a male, although they're super hard to find. So those are my thoughts on that, Tristan. Um, I don't know if that's super helpful, but those are kind of my thoughts around it. Jackson Borkowski. I got a couple pairs of Nothobronchius. Awesome. Good. <laughs> Uh, super excited about it. Have you kept any nothos? Yes. Any advice? Yes. So Jackson, um, my first question is, do you have hard water? And if you do great, because nothos like hard water, they're pretty susceptible to velvet. That's the only, well, there's a few things, but velvet's the thing that you just have to be ready for, especially if you have soft water. So if you have hard water, great. If you uh, don't have a flow-through system and you can maintain salinity, then a little bit of salt wouldn't be a bad thing. Like a tablespoon per 10 gallons wouldn't be a bad thing for them at all. To help kind of curtail velvet and give them some electrolytes. So what I would have on hand is something for velvet. Just because with nothos, it's, it's, I mean, it's not guaranteed to happen, but they're susceptible to it like, like betas are. So it, it, it could happen. And the best thing I found to treat velvet is copper, um, some kind of chelated copper. Copper I use Copper Safe, I believe Mardell makes it, and that stuff is great against external parasites. So I would just have that handy. Um, using the copper, I don't know if it kills your biological filter or not. There's times I've used it and had no issues, and then times I've used it and seen an ammonia spike, but. Whether that ammonia was from the copper or from like a tank full of sick fish and maybe one dies and, you know, generates ammonia, that could be the case. But it might be good to have some separate small tank or container that you can treat them with the copper. Um, And so I would just have that on hand. Apart from that, apart from velvet, um, there aren't any real special issues with them. Um, For breeding, I found that Mosser Lee... The, that's a brand. 
they sell a peat moss or create a peat moss that's sold at like garden shops called No Damp Off. And that is by far the best peat moss I've found to breed them in. It's just a higher quality, a better survival rate. It's not as messy, doesn't cloud the water as much as kind of those real cheap uh, sphagnum uh, kind of ground up powder can. Um, I don't know what they're eating, but uh, what I will say is bulk them up as quick as you can because you'll get your best egg production in the first, say, few months after sexual maturity. So uh, get them fed really well right away. Um, and depending on some species of nothos, males can be very aggressive to each other. Some species of nothos, males can be really hard drivers on the females, meaning they're constantly trying to breed with the females to the point that they will wear them out. So just keep an eye on them and judge whether uh, the tank is big enough for them all to be the male and females to stay together. Do you need to put in some decorations or plants to give the females some cover? Do you occasionally need to remove the male and fatten up the females? Things like that. So um, nothos are amazing fish. They're not difficult. They're hardy. Um, usually you'll get just a bajillion eggs from them. They're very prolific if you feed them well and they're healthy. And um, those are kind of my general thoughts on them. If you have a specific question about them, something specific you're worried about or trying to figure out, let me know and I'm, I'm sure I can answer it. Uh, Kayla's Aquatics. Hey, Bob. I saw your comments on Get Gill's Facebook page with Small Fry <laughs> regarding when to stop shipping. Yeah, so... Um, so small fry, Craig asked on that, when do you stop shipping? And my response was I ship as long as the customer is comfortable with it. And that's generally the case. Um, every now and then it doesn't go well, but again, this is the first time in eight years that I've had a problem like this. So the, I think the ideal thing, like the super cautious thing would be like, never ship fish unless conditions are perfect, but there's never, there's never a time when conditions are perfect between me and the other person and everything the fish has to go through. So generally what I do is if the client or the customer is like, Hey, it's really cold here. Let's hold off. Then I'll always say like, yeah, let's hold off. Like you live where you, you know your area better than I do, you know your temperatures, you know how the mail's delivered, how promptly, if there's frequently delays and all that better than me in your area. So if you're not comfortable with it, then then yeah, let's hold them. But if a customer's comfortable, I'll generally always ship. Um, if I had problems frequently, I wouldn't. But again, once in eight years, you know, that's like, how, how can you know that this is the week for sure that it's all going to be horrible? Well, you listen to the weatherman. Yeah. Except for the weatherman said that three weeks ago or whatever, and it wasn't bad. So yeah, there's no, there's no perfect way to judge it that I know of in this week. I shouldn't have shipped. I mean, now that knowing what I know now, I would have held them, but you don't know that tell you know that and by then everything had already shipped so yeah i don't know 
Maybe sometimes, Bob, I'm just overconfident. I don't know. <laughs> like maybe this will kind of make me a little more squeamish. But again, if I look at the track record, it's literally been years since I've had a problem like this. Um, so, so generally it works pretty well. Dan Slee, how are the Pygmy Quarries doing? Any plans to get them in again anytime soon? Thanks for the awesome half-beaks, garden rye, and thread fins. Hey, you're welcome, Dan. Um, glad they're doing well for you. You were one of the lucky ones. <laughs> um, so the pygmies are doing good. I have, the, I have I think, eight that are solid. Um, I only, I didn't get a big batch. Uh, I had problems with them when they first came in, but I've got eight that have been solid since like day two. But I'm not going to sell them for a while because um, they were really sketchy when I first got them in and I had some losses. And so I, the issue with them, I think, was they were just so darn small when they came in. And if they've been at the wholesaler for a couple weeks at that size and haven't been getting, you know, the amount of food and things that a small fish needs, um, I, then it, I, that's my guess as to what's going on. So my job is to get them fattened, make sure that they're good for a while, and then I'll be comfortable sending them out. So Dan, I don't, so I, I have eight um, that are good so far, um, but I'm not comfortable sending them because of how rough they came in for probably a couple more weeks at least. So um, hopeful though, that I'll be able to get you some. I know you really want that fish. Um, as far as will I get more? Maybe it, it depends on um, when I'm ready to get them. It depends on A, if they're available and B, um, what the price point is. Sometimes the prices fluctuate a lot. And so sometimes it's just like I, I, I got to wait. So and they're also a little bit seasonal because I believe most of them are wild caught. I don't know of any place that's I could be wrong about this, but I, I don't think they're bred as much in the commercial industry at the farms and stuff is say like hebrosis or something like that. Um, I don't know that for sure, but just based on how often they're available, I think they are less commonly bred. So they're a little harder to get than hebrosis. Um, Jeffro's fish keeping like five States around and including Iowa didn't USPS was closed with no mail due to weather. Yeah. So negative 19 on my doorstep. Yeah. So that's the thing. If I would have known how bad it was and that it would shut down things. I mean, there's literally fish in the mail still. And like, I'm not hopeful because it, those temps being in the mail that long. Um, I mean, it, it, that's just rough. So we'll see. Sometimes they surprise me, but yeah, Jeff Rose, it was the wrong week to ship fish. I just shouldn't have done it. Yep. Slippery fish. Thank you so much for the info. You're welcome. Um, yeah. If anything else, now, now you know that maybe you shouldn't always ship when the, you, you know, sometimes you should hold off. But again, how do you know? Lumpy, how many Procatopus Airbins in a 10-gallon tank just to get started with them? To get started, um, I would say six to eight. They really do like being in a group. They do kind of play off each other. Now you can do a pair and 
killifish people being killifish people often do that just because lots of killifish species don't aren't social and so a pair is kind of like the standard and so just out of habit they often get just a pair but with that species i really think six to eight um they just seem to get comfort off being in a shoal together and so um that'll get you going and in a 10 gallon tank that's well established and and uh seasoned and isn't you know new isn't going to go through some ammonia spike or something i think six to eight would be great now they're like rainbows when it comes to the fry sometimes they'll eat them all but if you have enough like floating plants and things like that then eventually some fry will grow up in there with them and you'll get a colony going if that's how you want to do it if you want to get more production they're an injector they're not necessarily a plant spawner. So they inject their eggs into like rock crevices and wood crevices and things like that. Because where they live tends to be more like maybe open water with less plants and things. So um, the king of DIY. No way. That is amazing. Joey's in here and just tossed me a hundred bucks. Thanks, Joey. I'm a little starstruck right now. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. What to say? A couple bucks to help in case any fish are lost in the shipment. Good luck. Thanks, man. That's actually going to help because basically if a fish is lost, I'll resend it to the customer at no charge and I'll send it express. And so uh, express eats up the wallet pretty quick. As you know, as anyone knows who's, who's sent or bought fish. Joey, thanks for being here. Thanks for that. I don't know. Am I blushing? Like, I feel like I just met like a movie star. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Um, but back to what I was doing. Uh, so the Procatopus, to get good production, what you can do is take tiles, building tiles, say, and stack them so there's a little space in between each one with uh, like grout spacers, and that they'll inject their eggs in there. You can take a, a mop, which is my preferred method, like a spawning mop, and you braid it so that it's not like just ugh, spread out in the water. It's like constricted and they can inject their eggs into the strands because it's, it's braided. Or you can put a rubber band every inch or two and that kind of keeps it compact and they'll inject their eggs in there. So if you want more production, you can do that and collect eggs. But if you just have a tank that's set up with plants and stuff like that, um, if there's enough floating plants and plant cover, you'll eventually get fry. And the reason floating plants are important isn't because they spawn at the surface necessarily, but the babies, the fry, as soon as they hatch, they go straight to the surface. So they need good plant cover at the surface to survive. Uh, they'll take baby brine shrimp right away, by the way, the babies. They're, they're good sized for a, a baby fish. Um, Philly man, Pete. Hello, friendly fishmonger. Well, hello. I really enjoyed the video you recommended on barbs. Oh yeah, I never realized how little aquarium breeding of many barb species there has been. Yeah, so barbs have been around forever, but we don't know that much about them. Um, and part of the reason is because there hasn't been much done on them scientifically. It's only recently that the Indian and Asian barbs are, are being understood by science and classified more or less <laughs> correctly, whatever that means. It'll change again in 10 years. But um, in the African barbs, not much going on there. So for those that missed it, um, Sergeant Tank did a great live interview 
with, um, is it Mike or Mark? I can't remember. Um, Extreme Aquatics is his business name. And this guy has been deep into barbs for a while and it just has great information that's hard to find anywhere else. So, so check it out. In fact, if anyone can find that video and link it up, that would be great. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, Philly Man Pete. I did too. Like anytime I see a video that I'm like, oh man, I'm learning so much and where else can I find this information? Um, it's always it's always pleasant to find that, right? Kind of gets me jazzed. Um, all right, chat skipped on me, just a sec. I'm finding where we were, hang on, it jumped. Okay. Wow, it really jumped. Oh, there we are. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> I found it. Real stinks. Um, tips on electric blue Acaras. They are paired off. Move to a tank with just the pair. Planted tank. This will be their first try. And they act like they don't have a clue. Or do fish porn. <laughs> um, well... Real, I've never bred electric blue Acaras. They're not something I've ever, ever kept in my own private collection. And I don't think I've ever spawned them like at, at any of the stores or anything like that. So I'm probably not the right guy to, to give you all the correct information. But based on what I know on closely related species of other dwarf cichlids, um, I would say if you want them to raise the babies put them in a situation where there aren't a lot of fish around them that can eat the babies. Maybe a few dither fish to keep the pair bonded and solid is what you would need. So if, the, if they're bonded and happy in the tank you have, and there aren't a lot of other fish that will uh, disturb the spawn or overwhelm them and eat the eggs or fry, I leave them in there. But if that's not the case, then yeah, I would set up a, their own tank. If planted would be great. And, you know, pencil fish are one of the best dithers, I think. If you can find some big enough that the Akaras, you know, aren't going to absolutely outcompete them for food and stuff. So those are kind of my general thoughts. But again, I haven't bled. I haven't bled. I haven't done that either. I haven't bred the electric blue Akaras. So anyone else who has, um, please chime in and help reel out. Kaler's Aquatics, thanks for listing the Get Gills store. Appreciate that. For those that don't know, 50 watching. Hey, not bad for this little channel. Thanks, everybody, for being here. For those that don't know, getgills.com is a great place to sell fish if you have fish or fish supplies you want to sell or to buy fish if you're browsing stuff. Um, so check it out if you're looking for stuff or if you want to sell stuff. In fact, Lumpy Dog, hobbyist bred rainbow cichlids from Kaler's Aquatics on Get Gills, and there's a link. Yeah, check him out. Bob has good stuff. If you haven't seen Bob's videos, you can check out all his stuff and see what you'll be getting. Um, Dan Sleeth, thank you. You're welcome. I just made it to uh, the king of DIY, DIYs uh, super chat. Thanks again, Joey. Really appreciate it. That was a heck of a surprise. Didn't even know you were here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the super chat. Appreciate it so much. Um, Richard Crackle, is the clown killie a good beginner 
looking at at least six in a 29 gallon with floating plants and endlers. So it depends on your end game. If what you're trying to do is keep some beautiful killies in a community tank and enjoy them, clown killies are wonderful. And with endlers, they'll probably be okay. If you only have a couple clown killies and a bunch of endlers, that could be a, an issue at first because the clown killies are going to be kind of shy and the endlers are just going to mob that food, right? So if you only have a few endlers and a lot of clown killies, that'll probably help that balance. That being said, once the clown killies settle in, they'll be really quick to the food. Not, not like a Danio or an endler quick, but they'll, they'll learn to, to get to the food. But I worry that in that first, um, as they're learning your tank and getting settled and learning where the food is and when it comes and all that, they're such a skinny little fish that uh, you just have to make sure that they're eating and not getting out-competed. Again, once they settle and learn, they're pretty tough. So that's the only thought I have there. If breeding is your end game, like you want to raise killies, then I would not say that clown killies are the best to start with just because their eggs are so small and their fry are teeny, teeny, tiny. I would pick a species that could easily eat baby brine shrimp or microworms right from the get-go. So... Um, so again, it just depends on what you want, but they are hardy, they're available, they're beautiful, and they're good in a small, peaceful community aquarium. Just make sure they don't get out-competed before they learn how to exist in that tank. Also, real tight-fitting lid, that goes for almost every killifish, and um, some plant cover at the surface. It doesn't have to be the entire surface, but some section of the top that has floating plants or something so they can feel comfortable um, if you have that, then they won't be stressed. They'll color up and they'll come out more. So if you don't have that, they're going to hang up in the corners in the back and just be scared the whole time. And they probably won't eat well if they're scared like that. So Richard, that's my thoughts on, on the clown killie. I think it's an excellent fish. I think they're hardy and easy to keep in general. Doctors experimentus. Can you breed upside down catfish in captivity? I don't know the answer to that question. I've never done it. Um, I think I remember reading an article in like TFH or something like that at one point about a captive breeding of them, but that's totally anecdotal and going on old memory and I don't know for sure. So yeah. Anyone here bred them? I mean, they're one of the more common synodontist types, so I'd assume that they're breedable, but it could be farms doing with hormone injections, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Dr. Experimentus. I do not know the answer to that. Dan Slee, any tips for sexing the platinum half-beaks for Bob and I? Thanks in advance. Um, it can be done. It's hard, though. If you look at them on the anal fin, you'll see a few, hopefully. Um, I didn't... When I, when I pack them, I don't sex them because it's hard to... to to see. It's not super obvious. Um, I just look for, okay, who's, who's healthy, who's, you know, going to make the trip. So I don't sex them when I pack them, but the males in f the anal fin, like the first couple rays of the anal fin are modified a little bit in the males. It's nothing nearly as obvious as like in a guppy or something like that. So, um, there are some pictures on the internet you can find that'll show you the difference. And after looking at them, 
if you have males and females, you'll eventually be like, okay, I, th I think I, I think I got it, but it's not super obvious. I'm sorry. It's just a couple rays that are kind of, they're not, they're not like super elongated or anything. It's just maybe they can move a little bit independently from the rest of the anal fin towards the front of the anal fin. So that's the best I've got densely on that. The other thing is that females eventually when they're full grown, uh, get a little bit bigger than the males. And, um, yeah, but I, I would look for that, uh, the sex organ itself in the males. And again, it's, it's hard to find. All right. So, um, Michael Wilson says half beak males have a notch in the front of the anal fin. Yep. Female fin is not notched. Yeah, that's correct. It's just not a super obvious thing. It's not like big, like a gonopodium on a, on a guppy or something like that, but that's, that's correct. Michael Wilson, that's absolutely correct. Um, K or is it say, I guess that would be K Walker. What's the hardest fish you have ever kept? The hardest fish to like keep alive that I've ever kept. Um, the hardest fish I've ever encountered to keep alive is probably the paradise threadfin, which I've never tried to keep personally, but let me show you this. Um, This is a crazy fish that, um, again, personally, I've never tried to keep it, but I've, I've seen, I've seen it at wholesalers and stuff. This is it. It's an amazing fish. I personally don't know of anyone that really has had long-term good success with this. I'm sure there's someone, but I don't know that person. And they, they comb over the sand and uh, kind of use those fins to feel for food is basically what they're doing with, with all that awesome finage. Now, I think they're like brackish, maybe even marine in some instances, things like that. So that's probably the one that I see and I'm just like, ooh, no. Let me think though, maybe peacock bass. Again, not that I've kept personally, but in stores I've worked at and wholesalers and stuff I've worked at, um, we've had peacock bass. And the reason they're difficult is they, they come in so emaciated and in such bad shape that nursing them back to health is, is just a real challenge. So that's another one. Um, and then there's one, this will surprise you. One that I think is really hard to keep in captivity is just Dario Dario, the Scarlet Baddest. I know you'd think it's something else, but um, I've kept them in my own personal facility. And what I found is that the males, and they're all males usually, are just so darn aggressive that it's hard to keep them because they'll just bang it out until there's like one left. Um, by bang it out, I mean fight. I just realized how that probably sounded. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and... Um, so they're just super aggressive. And then the other thing about Dario Dario is I personally have never been able to get it off uh, like live food, uh, maybe some frozen food, but um, I've never been able to get them to really eat flakes and pellets. So based on their aggression and not being able to transition them, um, I would say that I found them pretty difficult. And that's an odd choice, I know, 
but it's the one that pops in my head. Every time I go over the lists of what's available, the Scarlet Baddest comes up and I always want to get them because they're gorgeous. But then I'm always like, oh man, do I really want to deal with all that again? And I, and I don't get them. Now, hopefully other people have a different story. Hopefully other people are like, no, I have this planted 20 gallon. I have 15 of them in there and they're awesome. And I feed them flake food. Like if that's your experience, good for you. But in my experience, uh, that's not been the case. I'm trying to think of another one. Yeah, Pseudomugil, um, a little blue-eyed rainbow fish. Uh, Taniatus, or is it Tenilus? I think it's Tenilus. Uh, let me show you this. This one I found difficult to keep. Um, not for any other reason than they like really high temperatures in really like hard, maybe even somewhat salty water. And my water is so soft and I don't keep my fish room, you know, hot, like, like they would want it. And so those were difficult. That being said, pretty much every fish that's difficult, it's just a matter of what's that fish like? What are the conditions they need? And can I provide it? If I can, they're not probably difficult. Like if I had a 20 tiny little cycled aquariums and an endless supply of live food that was easy to generate, Dario Dario wouldn't be hard to keep. I just keep an individual one in each tank and feed it live food. But um, that's generally not the case in our, you know, in our average fish room. So I don't know if those are satisfying answers, but those are the ones that come to mind. <laughs> Skipper's Aquariums. Hi, how you doing? Sorry, I just showed up. Doing fine. Rough week shipping. Um, you can watch the replay to get the details on that. But basically, if I could relive this week, I would not have shipped this week, um, seeing how, how bad the weather turned. So, yeah. Richard Crackle. Thanks, Dan. Entire aquarium is stuffed with water lettuce and frog bit. Cool. Would like to would like Achilles to breed, but not look at my endlers as food. Sounds like clan Achilles might not be the answer. No, I think that they might be. Um, it's just that first week or two they're at first they're going to be really shy. And if there's a big group of endlers like mobbing the food, they're, they're going to get out competed at first. But if, if you can get them through that, then I think they'll be fine. And by the way, they might eat endler fry. They won't eat a lot of them. But they do get big enough, a full-grown clown killie, that they can pick off some endler fry. So um, maybe not voraciously, but I'm sure they'll get a few of them. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to discourage you from them, but it's just that first couple of weeks I'm worried about them competing with the endlers. Uh, Michael Wilson, update on the eight-banded barbs. Cool. They act like leaf fish. Oh, Wow. Drifting around and disappearing into plants and shadows. Weird, but very impressive barb. So are they like a, just a really slow swimmer, like a South American leaf fish that just kind of, you know, almost floats through the water instead of swimming? Is that is that what you're saying? Just a really slow moving, sedentary, almost almost fish like that? That's interesting for a barb. Kayla's Aquatics. Devin Peppers, how many fricadas? Okay, I missed a comment from Devin Peppers. Sorry. How many fricadas would you put in a 20-gallon high? I'll email you about shipping because I would like to fill the box. Okay. 
I would also like to get a microroom culture. Cool. Sorry, Mr. your comment, Devin. Um, so Devin, one of the nice things about GetGills, when you check out, it'll tell you how much space is left in your box. So if you order, I don't know, 10 forcadas, then it'll show you, okay, you can ship in a, in a medium box and fit them in there or a large box. And if it's the medium box, then it'll be like 85, 90% full. And if it's the large box, it'll be like 50% full. So when you go to check out, it'll actually guide you. It'll tell you um, this many fish fills the box this full. There's this much space left in the box. And so at that point you can decide, no, I'm good. I'm going to finalize the order or, oh, okay, then I'm going to, there's a little link that'll show that you can click and it'll show you other fish that will fit in the leftover space in the box. So the website kind of guides you into how it helps you fill a box. We did that because one thing I always hated when I bought fish is when I'd buy fish and they'd be sent and then there's like half the box is empty. And I was like, well, I would have filled it up because I'm paying the shipping. I want to get as many fish as I can in a box, right? So the website will help you. Um, I can fit probably six in a small box, um, about a dozen in, I'm guessing, in a medium box and probably about 20 in a large box of the fricatas. In a 20 gallon high, again, it, I'm imagining it's well established, not just like newly cycled, but been there for a while. So we're not going to have ammonia spikes and all that stuff. Um, you can get a lot in there. They're, they're a small fish. They don't get really big. And depending on how you keep your water is going to depend on how many you could get in there. I would say, um, I'd say maybe, I don't know how many you want, but if you know, you get 20 in there easy. If you, uh, every keeper is different. If you change the water enough and all that stuff, they're, they're not, uh, they're not a difficult fish to keep. So it's, it's always hard to say how many, because some people it's like they could keep five because they never change water and they overfeed, you know, and other people could keep, I don't know, I don't know, a hundred in that size tank because they change the water enough and they don't overfeed. So it's really, really different each time. But if it's well-established and all that, I would think 20, no problem. So that, those are my thoughts, Devin. And again, sorry about missing your comment. Um, oh, you're on mobile, so it's not highlighting. I just saw that. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Bob, for, for getting that to my attention. Any Anytime anyone's struggling like that, please, please, mods, please help me out and help them out. He's on mobile, so I tagged you for him. Yeah, I appreciate it very, very much. Hey, Mob Guppy, glad you made it. <laughs> the former Peter Thiel. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, it's a, been about an hour. We've, we've reached the bottom of the chat. So um, if uh, this is the time when I, I think about kind of slowly starting to shut this down, basically, I don't like to try to push a live stream longer than it naturally wants to go. And if you've reached the bottom, you know, I don't want to sit here and just stare waiting for a question or comment to come. But if you have a question or a comment and you want to get it out to me um, and you want me to respond to it, now's the time because pretty soon here I'm going to start thinking about shutting the stream down if, if I don't get more, which is fine. Um, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to my shipping woes. Again, it's been a long time since that happened. Hindsight's 2020, and I wish I could have changed this week, but but I didn't. I just confidently shipped. And that was a mistake. Um, 
But hopefully that story, I don't know, helps anyone here who's thinking about buying fish online or selling fish online. Um, but again, it's been eight years and almost always it goes well, like thousands and thousands and thousands of fish literally um, without any problems. It's just every now and then there's a hiccup and it's a tiny, tiny percentage of all the shipments. But when it happens, it's horrible. And for the people that had that experience, I just feel really bad for them because that's not the experience they should have had. Mob Guppy, I am the artist formerly known as Peter Thiel. <laughs> Just to avoid, avoid music copyright uh, uh, issues, I am the artist formerly known as Peter Thiel. Love it. Kim Johnson, any experience with uh, Leptorinus? Which one? Fasciatus in a planted tank. I've heard they will eat and or uproot plants. Um, that's what I've heard too, that leperinus generally like to eat a lot of plants, not a fish I've ever kept in my own, you know, long-term here. So, and, and I don't keep a lot of plants, like the tank behind me has some plants. Most of the other aquariums don't have like planted tanks. They'll have like some floating water Sprite and some Java moss. So I'm not the best guy to answer that question. I'm sorry. Does anyone else know anyone else here kept leperinus, um, long-term with plants and did you have a problem let's see if the uh the general knowledge base here can help you out more than i can kim 59 watching hey man this is a good night for us i mean i know for a lot of streams it's like pff, that's nothing but for this little stream 59 that's nice that's very nice kaylee's aquatics it's important to remember that the buyer shares some of the responsibility this decision is ship or not I guess maybe if you like analyze it philosophically, but I feel like, I feel like it's my job to get fish to my customers in good shape. Um, but you're right. I guess the buyer does know their local conditions more than I ever could, but I'll always say that if I ship the fish, I took the responsibility to do that. Um, and that's just the stance I take whether it's completely true or not, because I feel like it's the only way to, you know, if I, if I start blaming the customer, then I'm going to start being like, Oh, it's their fault. I don't need to worry about that part of it, or I don't need to be as careful or something like that. So, um, yeah, I guess you could come up with a reason that it's the client's fault as well, but I'll always take responsibility. If, if, if a fish arrives dead or arrives stressed in a way that in a couple days it succumbs, um, to the stress, I'll always take care of that. Just know that. But thanks, Bob. I appreciate the thought, but um, I, I feel like I always take that. <laughs> Bob throwing down with Joey, hundred bucks. Wow, Bob. Thank you. I appreciate that. What the hell says Bob? Here's a hundred. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for those that don't know, Bob has been here since about the beginning. He mods for me. He's a good customer. He's supportive in this community like you wouldn't believe. And so like, I can't thank you enough, Bob. Honestly, I, I just treasure that you're here and all that you do, not just for me and my channel, um, but just for this hobby in general. I see you helping in a lot of streams and active in a lot of ways. So thank you. And man, hundred bucks. I, thanks. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. 
I think between you and Joey, you might have just covered shipping on the reshipments I have to do. So that's fantastic. Kim Johnson. Oh, we already did that one. Uh, Devin Peppers. Would guppies eat eggs or the fricadas off a mop? And would six, uh, two males, four females make a good starter group? Yes, to both those things. So the guppies will eat the eggs and the fricadas will eat the eggs, but they won't eat all of them. Um, enough, if your mop is not just like 10 strands, but you know, enough to be substantial, lots of eggs will get injected pretty deep in the mop and the fish aren't going to be able to get to them. So I think you can breed fricadas in with guppies or endlers and stuff like that without too much problem. What I have found with fricadas is to get the best production, a bear tank with just a sponge filter and a mop. They don't need a lot of cover. They're kind of an open water fish. They like, I have floating plants and they don't seem to care. And the reason for the bear tank with just the mop and the sponge filter is because then they'll put pretty much all their eggs into the mop. They'll lay some in the sponge filter sometimes, but um, pretty much all the eggs will be concentrated where you can harvest them. If you have a planted tank and gravel and stuff, then they'll spawn lots of places and the mop might not contain the, might not get the majority of the eggs. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. Now, something else you could do though is put the mop in there, it's all planted, leave them in there, and then just remove them after a while and the, the babies will appear no matter where they were laid. So something else that's nice with fricadas is the babies aren't teeny, teeny, tiny, like with a lot of uh, things that we think of as rainbows or blue eyes. Uh, in my experience, they're big enough to take newly hatched baby brine shrimp right away. So I think they're pretty easy to raise in quantity. Um, so Devin, I, I don't know if, if that helps, but if you're getting into rainbows or blue eyes, purists hate it when you call blue eyes rainbows, but if you're getting into that group of fish, fricadas are one of the easiest to start with. So I think you're on the right track. They're easy because their eggs are big, their eggs are tough, and the fry are big enough to be simple to raise, and they're prolific breeders. They, they'll give you lots of eggs, comparatively, right? So, yeah, I like them a lot. Skipper's Aquariums. Do you ever get any plecos in like the zebra pleco? No, I don't do the zebra pleco. Um, it doesn't mean I never would. I like that fish a lot, but I keep my fish room in the mid 70s. Zebras, I think you're going to want to be in the low to actually mid 80s, even 84 to 86 degrees, like discus temperatures. So I'm just not set up for that. Um, and there's plenty of other people like Pleco Paradise LLC seems to be doing a great job for plecos. So I feel like um, they're taking care of that and that's their focus. And so they're the right people to do that. Now, one day I'll have a big warehouse and I'll be able to have a section of it that's kept at 85 degrees and then I'll be able to do zebra plecos. But again, if I can't really house them really well, then probably not going to do it. Um, the only pleco I have right now are starlights. Um, I always call them starry night. <laughs> like it's a Van Gogh painting. Um, and, um, my, uh, Mike at Mile High Aquatics was kind enough to give me three of his. Uh, I'm growing them out, and they're actually getting pretty good size. So we'll see if they breed or not. But I've never got deep into plecos, not because I don't like them, but um, I feel like they 
they kind of need a specific focus that I'm not able to give them right now. Also, my price for Zebra Plecos, what I have to pay for them is going to be what you're going to want to pay for them. So I don't feel like I can get them and mark them up at all because of the price. Uh, my price is super high on those. I, I've never found them at a price where I feel like I can turn around and sell them. And I would be much higher than a lot of other people based on the suppliers I have. So, yep. Wichita Falls, um, lurking, doing water changes. I got you. Lurking's the best. Dan, thanks for sharing your knowledge and experiences, learning from each other. It's a big perk for me. Everyone have a great night. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for coming by, Wichita. Kim Johnson, my leperinus is still small. Maybe I'll throw him one of my planted tanks and see what happens. I'll update you. Yeah, thanks. I would love to find the answer to that. But it's ringing bells that they're plant eaters in my head. But again, not when I've kept long term. Kelly's Aquatics, good question at Lumpy Dog. Uh, how in the heck do I get my credit card info into Get Gills? I feel stupid. Well, let me show you. Um, this will only take a second. So let's say I'm going to buy one of these. Um, go to my cart. Um, check out. I'm messing with my own product so that I don't. I'm going to pick my shipping. Okay, so I just clicked on checkout. I'll click on my shipping. Um, so this is what I was talking about, Devin Peppers. I only put one in the cart real quick so that I can show this to Lumpy Dog, but it tells me the small box is 95% empty. The, wait, that's weird. Anyway, it shows you that there's still space in these you can fill. Why in the world is the small box more empty than the medium box? I might have screwed up my, I'm going to have to go back and see what I did there. I might have entered the quantities wrong when I entered them. Um, and then you go to review order and here is where you do it. So review order, you can change your shipping address and all that. You can see what you got, but you just put it right here, lumpy dog. You enter your credit card number here um, and then enter the, this information. And um, yeah, I know I didn't do it completely. Um, so does that help? Uh, check out, I'll take you there. Once you get to the, you click on review order and you should be able to enter your credit card. Um, sorry if it was confusing. We're in, by the way, we appreciate any feedback like that. Like anyone that's like, how does this, I can't find how to do this. What is going on? Uh, please reach out and let me know. Uh, Dan at dansfish.com or Dan at getgills.com. Um, because that feedback helps us know, Hey, this isn't clear. Maybe we need to redo how we're doing part of this so that it's clear to people. We don't want people to be confused. And if the website's confusing you, that's our fault. That means we need to tweak it and design it better so that it's as easy as like Uber to call a car, right? You should be able to order fish on our website as easily as you can on order something on Amazon.com. That's what we're going for. And we've got some work to do. Um, but... Um, any feedback is always appreciated. And don't ever feel like, oh man, I'm an idiot. I can't find it. It's us that made it hard on you because we designed it funky. So yeah. Um, but hopefully that helped. Oh, you mean, you mean how do you keep it on file? 
Limby Dog, if you're asking how to keep it on file, we don't have that functionality yet. Um, GetGills doesn't want to hold on to sensitive information like that because if we were ever hacked, we'd feel horrible. <laughs> so there might be a way to do that through Stripe or something that we could integrate into the site. We just haven't got to that point yet. But GetGills itself, we don't ever, we're never going to hold that information. But we might be able to integrate uh, Stripe's API so that you enter it and then the website just generates it from Stripe every time. That that might be a possibility. We just haven't got there yet. Like we finally got to the point where we could group shipping and make it so people could send one group of fish one way and another group another way and dry goods another way. So we're still kind of getting the functionality in design uh, solid. But yeah, so I'm not sure if the question was, how do I get my card on to get gills so I don't have to enter it every time? Or where do I enter it at checkout? Sorry, I might have misunderstood your your question originally there. Devin Peppers, would it work to raise babies in a five-gallon? Yes. I was just going to do a sand bottom with a mop, some wood, and pleco caves. Yeah, good. They'll, they'll spawn in crevices. So they'll definitely spawn in crevices in the wood and stuff. But that sounds good. And yes, you can raise the babies in a five-gallon. In fact, I do it all the time. Um, that's my preferred. I kind of hatch them in a little container. Um raise them sometimes for a little while, not this species, but other smaller species in a small little like plastic container. But the fricadas, since they can eat baby brine shrimp right away, if I have a good hatch, I'll put them right in a five gallon, five and a half gallon. Now, the thing is, you're going to need to be feeding them a lot of food to get them to grow well. And a five and a half gallons, not a lot of water. So plants will help. Water Sprite's great at sucking up nitrogen and ammonia and all kinds of stuff. So plants will really help. Um, and well-cycled tank, like if it can be established so that you avoid some of those ammonia spikes and things you can get in a tank that's less seasoned, that would be very helpful. And also little critters will be established in there. They can graze on between feedings and then just keeping up with the water changes. So just, just be aware that, um, in a five and a half gallon, being a smaller tank, make it as well established as you can. So you kind of lessen the danger of an ammonia spike. So what kills baby fish is usually either an ammonia spike from decaying food and stuff or starvation from not enough food. Those are kind of the two things. So it's all about feeding them a lot in a way that doesn't create an ammonia spike. That's kind of the trick. Kim Johnson, how do I leave feedback on get gills? Can't seem to figure it out. So if you go to your order, let me show you. Um, so Kim, if you go to get gills, if you go to your account and click on my orders, and I'm not going to click on that cause I don't want everyone to see my orders, but if you click on my orders, then it'll take you to all the orders you've done and you can select one and click on order details. And then you can leave feedback for that specific order. So let me know if that helps you, Kim, if you have other questions, but go to my orders, find the order you want to leave feedback on, click order details, and there'll be a field that you can leave the feedback in. Thanks for asking. And that's something, by the way, that's a little hidden, and we have plans to make uh, less hidden, <laughs> the, the whole feedback thing. We didn't purposely like make it difficult to find. It's just in the original, like, building of the thing that's where it ended up and and we know we need to tweak that a little bit 
So sorry, that's hard to find right now. Devin Peppers, do you know anyone who is selling or breeding the L340 Mega Clown Plecos? I don't. When I looked at the boxes today, that's why I was confused and was going to email you. Um, I don't. That specific one? No. Um, Anyone in here know? I don't. Uh, Kim Johnson, I don't see the field. Hmm. So if you, yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. Let me show you. So, so if you go here, click on your orders, then you'll see, um, are you getting the point where you can see the list of your orders? If you are, it'll say order details. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, you know what? I will, Kim, um, can you email me and I'll email you a link right to it. And then I'll dig in and see uh, if we can't make that easier to find. Sorry. Sorry. It's hidden right now. I emailed you a screenshot. Okay, cool. So I will, uh, I'll, I'll help you out with that once we're off here. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Um, appreciate everyone that came and chatted. Thanks for the mods for their hard work. Um, Bob and Joey, thanks for the massive super chats. Super appreciated. And Joey, a little starstruck, man, that you're here or we're here. I don't know if you still are, but thanks for coming by. So appreciate it. (laughs) Really awesome surprise. Um, everyone that helped other people who had questions and comments, thanks for being active in the community and helping folks out. And, uh, To all you lurkers, I'm with you. I'm a lurker too. All right. Until next time, Lolo, you just made it. (laughs) Well, the replay will be live in just a second. Um, Lolo. So uh, (laughs) you can catch it then. (laughs) Um, Some cool stuff happened though. Check it out. Anyway, next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll see you there. Thanks for coming by. Have a good one.